Hi, and welcome to the Cocktail Hour with me, your host, Erin Folk. Cocktail Hour is a place where we celebrate women in business who are shaking shit up. This week, I have Jolsette Hernandez-Jones here from Pharaoh's Partners. Say hello. Hi. How are you? Good, thank you. Our topic this week, Jolsette, is taking the leap, having the balls to start your business, and obviously, you're going to be our special guest, CEO and founder of Pharaoh's Partners. She's still on her coffee, but we've got her mimosa here, sitting here waiting for her. Yep. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to need you to get through that coffee. <laughs> <laughs> We are going to talk about taking the leap today. I know Joel Set. We sit together on the Hispanic Chamber Board. Yes. Um, Joel Set's had some exciting things happen in her business. We're going to get to that here in a few minutes. But just real quickly, what inspired you to take the leap to own your own business? Well, I had been in IT for almost 20 years and was working for Cerner and decided that I wanted to take ownership of my career. Okay. In Kansas City, from a Hispanic perspective, there's only one other IT staffing firm in the city. And so for me, that meant opportunity. And while at Cerner and having been a consultant for the majority of my career, I had decided I was going to go ahead and take the leap and start my own business. Good job. I like that you worked our topic into there. I know, right? You're welcome Welcome to come back anytime if you keep doing that. (laughs) Um, kind of a random question, but I think that sometimes people don't understand how much your environment plays into making these decisions to take the leap. What environment did you need to take that leap? And then what environment have you set for yourself to take your leap to make sure you get the highest reach to all of your goals? I think that probably the most critical thing for me was having the support from home. Um, my husband being able to step up and help with the kids. We have four kids. Wow. And in addition to that, he was also my biggest cheerleader and he was my mentor. And so having uh, someone at home with uh, that type of support is what made it happen. I think to ensure that I keep moving forward, I have mentors for different reasons and some of them are to keep me on point. Some of them are to help me through um, decisions or different complexities that maybe I'm not used to. And in addition to that, um, I'm also mentoring people as well. And so that challenges me to keep moving forward and representing the Hispanic community um, is just, it's a, it's a privilege that I take seriously. Awesome. Okay. I've got a lot more questions for you. Okay. But first, I gotta. we're going to do a little segment we called The Shake. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where we like to highlight a few amazing women nationally and locally that are shaking shit up, making okay. great moves in business, and creating a better world with their passion. This week, we're going to talk about one of my favorites. I'd like to get your feedback because it's been very controversial. Okay. Kylie Jenner. Kylie Jenner Forbes reported the other day that she if she hits one billion dollars she's going to be the youngest billionaire self-made billionaire billionaire that's kind of think what kind of got everybody a little riled up the self-made title self-made billionaire ever what are your thoughts on Kylie Jenner's success and how do you do you agree or disagree self-made on the self-made title 
Hmm, that's interesting. Um, I say go for it. I mean, if you can do it, if you can achieve it, why not? Yeah. Um, she's smart, right? She's done something that... 20 years old. The majority of the people <laughs> in the country will never do. So she's doing something right. Um, self-made, I think that she she had a platform, right? She had a, a brand with her family name and her status and maybe a little bit more access to capital than most people have, but she didn't. So do you agree with self-made or not? Hmm. I think I do agree with it. I mean, she yeah. she just had additional resources, but but she did it. I agree with self-made. Mostly, I, this is kind of how I've I've kind of battled people on this for the past week. <laughs> what is that? I don't understand. What's the controversy? Controversy is that people think that self-made means you don't have any platform. I think that's kind of where it's coming from. I think, I think because it was Forbes reporting it rather than like Cosmo reporting right. it or Vogue reporting it, um, Forbes got a lot of pushback on this isn't who you are. Mm-hmm. I disagree. Because I think there are plenty of people that have the same platform. So let's use, I don't know why I'm going to use this, but let's use Lindsay Lohan, for instance, right? Lindsay Lohan was probably known more than Kylie Jenner was, mm-hmm. right? Had the exact same access to social media, could have had a much larger following, and could have very easily reached out to people to start a makeup line. What I think that Kylie Jenner did different than even all of her other sisters who have the exact same platform as her is she figured out how to use social media in her business. She kind of, she broke the rules of every makeup line that's out there, right? Every Mac, Mary Kay, all of those, they've all kind of taken their own path, but all of them are pushing back at social a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think she decided that I'm gonna use social to do my business. Here it is a pretty much a free platform for me. And I'm gonna do that. And that's where self-made, but I think more people are pushing back because of it because it was Forbes. Right. And the access to capital that she had to get started. And yeah. But she's taken it to a different level. She has, yep. I know that, I don't know a lot about her, but I do know that I've bought some of her lipsticks. Have you? Do you love it? Yeah, it's fine. It's not my favorite, but it's yeah. what I, I got what I purchased, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's fine. I like it. Have you, <laughs> you have four kids, right? Yep. Any, are they boys, girls? Two boys and two girls. How old are the girls? Jenna is going to be 10 in August. Okay. Jillian is 13. Okay. Jake is 14 and Alex is 21. So is the reason you bought Kylie Jenner lipstick for you or for Jillian? For me. For you. Okay. So mm-hmm. Jillian's not in that game yet. No. Okay. Because I've looked to buy it a couple times and I think this was early on when there was a wait list. Kind of also what I liked about it. She she doesn't just put it all out there. She she made it, which you don't see a lot in business anymore, that we used to see a lot. I remember when I was younger. Remember Cabbage Patch dolls? I do. <laughs> How hard it was to get a Cabbage Patch doll. Like, we don't have that anymore. Where yeah. It's really hard to get that. She toy. created a demand. She created a demand. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, okay. So that was kind of our... I'll send you this Forbes article so you can read okay. what all the controversy is. Yeah. Uh, but now let's get back to super self-made. Because did you have any platform that you started off of? I invested $2,000 into my business. So I started it with $2,000. Was that 2000 alone or from savings? No, it's from savings. Okay. And 
I am going, I just passed three years working on it full time. I started my company four years ago, but was working full time. And then it's been three years since I left Cerner and started working only on Pharos. And uh, by the end of this year, I should hit about three million. Wow. So my my two thousand we're about to catch was, Kylie was a good uh, yeah <laughs> That's right. a good investment. <laughs> three million my, is not shabby though. My two thousand though was was a good investment, right? <laughs> it wasn't a lot, and you know I I used a different model that that allowed me to do that, but I didn't want to put in a lot of money. I yeah. I was taking a chance. I wanted to build it up, and I Mama wanted to keep. Kids, probably most Mama four there. kids wanted to keep the expenses low, and and did it. Okay, let me read a little bit here about your bio they gave me, and then I've got a lot of questions about that. Okay, so from the, from the very start of her corporate career, Joel Set has had the entrepreneurial focus. She built a career managing IT and engineering projects, portfolios, and teams for a diverse set of companies, from IBM and Cerner to Waddell and Reed, Sprint, and American Century Investment. She's led more than 10 engineering firms nationwide and is known for her unique ability to both execute on details and drive multi-million dollar strategic projects to successful completion. This is all while keeping her teams motivated, inspired, and engaged. She's a rare talent in her execution, drive, and commitment. Jolset is also extremely dedicated and committed to her community, especially in her support for women in STEM and women in the Latina community. Jolset is an activist for the We STEM Initiative and a nonprofit board member for the following organizations. You're going to have to tell me if this is true. Mainstream Coalition, yes. Kansas City Startup Foundation, Westside Housing Organization, Heartland Chamber Music, 25 Under 25, Johnson County Community College Carlson Center, and the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Correct. Jill sets a third generation Kansas Cityan, a mother of two sons, two daughters, as well as Java, her miniature schnauzer, and Jovi, her schnoodle. Yeah. <laughs> and it says you enjoy spending time with their friends and working. I want to circle back around to all of these boards. Is this true? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Four kids, a pretty good business. Sounds like you continue to grow and grow. And all of these boards, how do you do it? So, um, you know, people always ask me how I do it, and I don't, you just do it. I think as mothers, if we stop and think about everything on our plate, you'll freak out. Yeah. So you don't. Yeah. And you just do it. I, um, it's a lot, though. Why when all I, of them? When I, first, when I first started, I spent so much time on trying to figure out what is the magical percentage of time spent at home, time spent on business, time spent on boards. And what I have discovered, and people often say um, work-life balance, that does not mean 50-50, and it changes day by day. And so some days it's 60% work and 40% home, and then the next day maybe it's 80% home and 20% work. And so there's no magic formula. I just do what I need to do to be home for my kids and and make sure that my business is successful. Um, all of those boards, all of those boards um, are different passions. Some of them support my community. Some of them support, one of them supports the neighborhood I grew up in. Um, I have 
art in there. I have startups in there. So it really diversified my portfolio when it came to what boards I want to sit on and allows me to to have growth in all of those areas. And I I enjoy every single one of them. (laughs) Okay. So I'm not going to ask you which one you choose if you could only do one. If I could only do one. Are you going to answer it? Good. I will. If I could only do one, it would be Heartland Chamber Music. Tell me a little bit more about that one, because I'm not familiar with that one. So I started with Heartland Chamber Music. That's the overall foundation. But um, I started specifically because they were rolling out a new program called String Sprouts. String Sprouts was funded by Warren Buffett in Nebraska. And we just rolled it out last a year ago in Kansas City. I'm the chair for that board. And what we do is we provide violin and viola lessons to inner city kids that are on the free lunch program. Okay. And we do it for five years. Oh, wow. And and they start at a very young age. And to be able to provide those kids with... Um, the equipment, the lessons. Uh, the thing that makes this program a little bit different is that we require the parents to be engaged. Okay. I grew up in a single family home, and I know that my mom was working literally three or four jobs seven days a week. And so when I was in sports, and I, I wasn't a very active, um, I'm not an athletic person, but I would play soccer and volleyball. excuse me, she wasn't able to go. So with String Sprouts, we require the parents to be there or a parent to be there during the lesson. And I think that breaks a cycle. Um, It forces them to be engaged with their children or not forces, but encourages them. Mm -hmm. We are teaching them as we teach the kids so that when the kids go home, the parents are able to help them practice. And the cycle that I believe it breaks is that like my mom wasn't able to engage with me and be there for me and hear the parents, the maybe the single moms, the single dads, are they're there with that child. Yeah. They're learning how to teach them as their teacher and lead them. And they're learning just as much as the kids are. So it's a great program. We focus on raising money for the violins and the teachers. And the teachers actually go, we have... Um, four or five schools right now where we do this in downtown kansas city Uh, kansas city kansas kansas city missouri um i believe we have a new one out in independence okay and we currently have 56 students involved in this and last year after they completed a year we had these t-shirts that look like tuxedo shirts <laughs> they were so cute and these kids are so tiny right <laughs> and we they performed at umkc's conservatory with oh. the umkc orchestra and it was the sweetest thing and the place was packed packed with all the wow. parents so my initiative with that and why that touches my heart is guadalupe center guadalupe school is one of the schools and that's from the west side where i grew up and then secondly is providing these kids this opportunity to understand the the brain development that comes with that with learning music Mm -hmm. is just outstanding and i don't know that enough people know the the brain impact of their growth 
when when playing music. So it's um, something close to my heart, and we're always focused on raising money for for more equipment for the kids. What's the What's the website for that? Give it a shout out because it sounds like a pretty amazing program. Uh, I think it's Har- Heartland Chamber Music dot org. Okay, perfect. We'll um, make sure we put that Thanks. link on here with yes. it. It sounds pretty. I've heard you talk about it. I've never heard you talk about it like that. Yeah. And it, it is, does sound like yeah. a pretty cool program. And String Sprouts is the name of the program that helps with the string sprouts with okay. the kids yeah i want to circle back to how you brought up guadalupe and the west side i don't know i don't know if i've ever known it was called the west side to tell you the truth right growing up on this side we always just called everything downtown yeah um so clearly you're hispanic i'm clearly hispanic <laughs> speaking of spanish for us. you know i don't speak spanish <laughs> no. okay uh, how does being both a woman and being a minority woman, Hispanic woman, how did that affect your decision to start a business, to take that leap, to start the business, and then how has it affected all of the growth in your business since? And do you think that the, being a woman, obviously, I think we both might, I don't want to put words in your mouth, I think that always affects business, but do you feel like being a Hispanic woman versus any other type of woman has affected it anymore either? No. Okay, good. No, I um, I don't have a problem b- walking into a room and being the only minority woman. Okay, and I don't. I may be blind, but I don't see. I don't see anything different between me and anyone else, and and so I know what I deserve, and I know what I can demand, and that's it. How'd you get that confidence? Well, I don't know that I've ever known any different. I mean, it. Okay, so you just said, I'm going to dig here deep. Yeah. Don't start drinking here. <laughs> <laughs> you just said you grew up in a single, a single parent household. Right. And your mom didn't get to be at everything. Right. Which, in my experience, from a lot of people that I grew up with, that grew, I, I'm not from a single parent household, but from my experience, friends that grew up kind of like that, they had to work more on their confidence because when their parents weren't around, it did affect their confidence. So how did your mom instill that into you even though she didn't get to be there all the time? Well, I was the oldest of four girls. Okay. And so when she worked, I had to raise my sisters. Okay. And so that was cooking, cleaning, homework, everything. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, I knew what I was capable of, and, and she pushed me hard you know, I was raising three kids, and yeah. I was in sixth grade. How or much seventh is your grade. parenting, like your mom's, when it comes to <clears throat> having them do chores and holding them accountable? Oh, I'm. <clears throat> excuse me. I do hold my kids accountable. They do have chores. Okay. And um, just yesterday, I told Jillian, "Here's the list of chores I need you to take care of," and she's like, "Oh my God, Mom!" And I was like, "Sorry, that's rent." Yeah. <laughs> Good point. So I come over to my kids. (laughs) No, I send texts with chores. They, I give them a timeline that I'll be home, and it has to be done. I get home, I check it. If it's not right, they have to fix it. So you hold them accountable. So there is yes, okay, yeah. So yeah, you're instilling the same type of confidence your mom did. I guess I never thought about it. I mean, I just had to do it. Yeah, which is what had to be done. Yeah. What have you struggled with on confidence, if ever? Well, I think that. Surely we all have struggles with it. 
I'll tell you, um, I know exactly. When, when I was in high school, I had to, my mom, I went to public school my freshman, sophomore year because my parents had gone through a divorce and I, and a little backstory, my dad really wasn't there before, even prior to the divorce. But um, my junior and senior year, my mom pulled me out of public school and made me go to Miege, Bishop oh, Miege. And we didn't have the money for that. And so I had to work at the school to pay off my tuition. Oh, wow. And I was working essentially as the school janitor, right? I was sweeping, throwing trash, cleaning chalkboards at the time when they had chalkboards. And it was, that was humiliating. And I would say there were a few of us that did that, all of us Hispanic. And so that immediately made us outsiders in addition to me even coming in two years later than everyone else. Yeah. And a lot of those kids I went to school together since kindergarten, yeah. first grade. I um, I went out and got a different job because I realized I can make more money, pay my tuition, and still have a little bit of money in my pocket. What did so, you do? What did you go get a job doing? I went to the plaza. <laughs> Retail? I went. Uh, my first job was at Mrs. Fields on the plaza. Oh, that's, that's gotta be a good job, actually. It is. Do you know how many boys went into Mrs. Fields when? I was just thinking the cookies. <laughs> oh no, we weren't eating cookies. And uh, and I did it with friends. Okay. So, it was even better. And I ended up becoming manager. Oh wow. And I'm the type of person when I go into a situation, I look at, okay, where do I want to go next? Or where do I ultimately want to go? And then that's all I focus on. Okay. So I, when I graduated high school, my mom told me that the money you use to pay for your tuition, I now need you to help make the mortgage payment. And so I went to Penn Valley Community College um, part-time for just for a couple years and really I just was taking the classes I wanted because at the age of 19 I got my first corporate job and I needed to make the mortgage payment so I had to be focused and I had to be driven I used to be uh, lack self-confidence when it came to the fact that I was making the same amount or more in salary with colleagues and peers that have four-year degrees and masters right and I didn't I didn't I when I went into corporate uh, my first job was with Gateway when before they even came to Kansas City and I was working up in South Dakota so I left school and again I was only going there part-time but left to focus on my career and for a long time, when people say, so what school do you go to? And um, I always felt out of place. Mm-hmm. And I always felt a little embarrassed. And it wasn't until about two years ago when I realized that's part of my story. Yeah. And I should be proud that... I didn't follow the same route, but I ended up 
just as successful yeah. as other people, my other other colleagues, right? Without as many loans. <laughs> With no loans. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> at Penn Valley, you have to pay cash. <laughs> You get a job at Cerner with no degree. My experience. Yeah. That's impressive. Actually, that's very impressive to me. I've never known anyone to work at Cerner without, mm-hmm. if you're not, if you're listening to this and you're not from Kansas City, Cerner is one of the largest businesses here. Many, many people move from all over the world here to work at Cerner, but their hiring process is insane. Mm-hmm. So to even have a resume looked at without a resume you have to have some sort of major experience. I've never heard of anyone even getting an interview before. Mm-hmm. Without. Um, it was someone that referred me to a director that had a position, and he called me in, and within three days later, I was hired. I, um, I had spoke at Kaufman, and I worked with, his name is Shane, and he has a company where he helps people tell their story. Okay. And cool. that's when I realized ta- working with him and getting that speech ready is when I realized not going to college. Like, that's pretty story. That's my story. And that's a damn good story. <laughs> very impressive. So, similarly, I went to college but did not get my college degree. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I can relate to you on that. However, I want to get your feedback on this. I think that there's such a push from people like Gary Vaynerchuk, and um, that's the one that comes to the top Mm -hmm. of my mind, but a lot of the big social media players, that maybe school isn't for everyone. There was Mm -hmm. kind of a 20-year period where we said, like before that it was trades, 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 then school, 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 and now it's kind of of almost landed in the middle, I see it, Mm -hmm. where... School's not as expected as much. Right. Um, where there's more of a push to do what works best for you because mm-hmm. school pretty much uh, prepares you to be an employee rather than an entrepreneur. Right. What are your, what's your thoughts and your feedback on that? And if somebody came to you, if one of your kids came to you, you know, at the end of high school and said, I, I don't want to go to college, what's your feedback on that? I want to know what their plan is. I think that... Um, School is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. I would encourage kids to, if you're not going to college, to look into trades. Um, <clears throat> I don't know that people know, or a lot of people know, how much money can be made in trades. So much money. And I mean, they need people. You can be a welder making $55, $60 an hour. You can be an, um, an electrician making 100 an hour. Mm-hmm. Plumbing is over $100 an hour. And there are some kids that like more of the hands-on, right, working, hands-on, um, more than school. School is just not their thing. So I would encourage kids to, if school's not your thing, then go look at the trades. Go figure out what is your thing. And maybe it's not that. Maybe it's something completely different. I definitely am a parent that let's try it all and whatever you like, I support. What if one of them comes to you and says, I just need to live here two more years because I want to start my own business with no funding? What do you say? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. You help them through that or you let them do it on their own? 
I would be there to support them. And if they had questions, of course, I would help them. But I would they, they have to be responsible for How their own decisions. How do you think it is to be hands off in that process if it's your child? Because I know it's been hard for me with my boyfriend to be hands off. <laughs> Since you he started know, his business. <laughs> to let him make some of the mistakes. I think you have to learn, right, as an entrepreneur. You How do. So be? I um, am not... Um, Maybe my kids would disagree. I <laughs> We need them next. <laughs> I like them to make their own decisions. And if you ask me, I'll tell you. But what if you know you it's need, the wrong decision though? You just I need can't to be sit held, back. They need to be held accountable for their own decisions okay. and the consequences. I need you to teach me how to do that. <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> Like you wanna walk on that wall? Yeah. If you fall you fall. You fall. Do you think any of your kids have that entrepreneurial blood? Jenna, the youngest. Yeah. She wants to take over the company. Okay. And when you ask her what she wants to do, she says, be a boss. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my kind of girl. <laughs> um, Alex is going to school to be an environmental law attorney. Oh, nice. Um, and then we'll, I don't know what the other two will do. Yeah. Jake and Jilly. Who's the oldest? Alex. Alex, Alex is at okay. K-State, and then he'll be applying for law school. And then uh, Jake's at Blue Valley High, Jilly's at Blue Valley Middle, and Jenna's at Stanley Elementary. Okay. Last year of elementary, probably. Last year of elementary. <laughs> last year of middle school, last year of college. Wow. Yeah. Got your hands full. Uh-huh. All right. So you had your oldest when you were kind of young? 22. 22. Was that too young or just right or... I was a single mom at 22. Um, I like to say that Alex was a little bit of a driving force as well behind my career mm -hmm. because I needed to be able to provide for him. And that that definitely was a big driver for me and wanting to provide him as much as possible and to be a good example for him. Okay, so you, that's awesome. 22 seems young. I'm mm -hmm. impressed. I had mine at 26, and I thought I was a baby. 22 <laughs> is young. It's, it's, yours is about to be 22 sooner than later. I, I wouldn't recommend it to my children. Yeah. No. So he's at K-State. So I'm going to ask um, this question. We have a mutual friend who's at K-State, mm -hmm. and uh, her son has been kind of driving the... Um, the, there's, they've had some issues up there just with some protests and stuff with all the stuff that's going on with uh, immigration. Mm -hmm. and he's been really the biggest supporter up there. You know who I'm talking about, right? Okay, so had you, have any of your kids come to you with concerns? I know that you're very confident in being Hispanic in the workforce. Mm -hmm. Have any of your kids come to you with concerns <laughs> and how have you addressed that? So that's a funny question because <laughs> Alex looks Asian and my oh. other kids do not look Mexican at all. No, so but he looks Asian. He looks Asian. Also a minority. <laughs> so I know, but it's a different type of minority, and so that's true. He has not dealt with any of that at K State, um, and none that he's aware of. My other kids don't look fully Mexican, yeah. so so you haven't had to address mm -mm. it as a parent. I don't know How that do I will keep that culture alive with them though going to mom's on a wednesday night for <laughs> flop us <laughs> okay. why don't i ever get invited <laughs> That's what I know. um so they think i'm crazy okay 
and they say, do? yeah they okay. say that's the mexican in you mom <laughs> and what's my kid's excuse <laughs> i i try to engage them with you know being active with the hispanic chamber like with alex he was an intern for carlos gomez the president okay. um a couple of years ago um I, they're close to to my family and who's crazy and you know those that the way my parents were brought up they instilled in my kids like it's no different that there's generations there um i think just being close to my family and us still embracing our traditions okay cool um again i think i'm the crazy mother but and dad's like the cool dad but (laughs) You know, that's so it is. is. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't even matter if it weren't crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I'd I know. Still be like that. Okay, getting back to this topic of leaping, when you were doing all of this, and especially now that we know a little bit of your um, back, your history, your back history, what was your biggest fear when you decided to start your own business and leave the corporate world? The biggest fear of taking that leap. I, the biggest fear was how soon am I going to get clients and be able to make placements? Had you done kind of the sales part of entrepreneurship before gone out no. and find the clients okay and i still don't consider what i do sales I me mean, more going and finding people and talking to them to work with you we have very different backgrounds i'm from a very sales background so i think any of talking anyone into work with you there's some sort of aspect of sales mm-hmm. so i understand from a client side we don't want to say it's sales but no i just have i have a hard time going out and talking to people oh so i don't have that problem <laughs> <laughs> done that with any of your other jobs no how to do that um so i've always worked in corporate okay and my my networking was with my constituents right it was Uh my within that company and so there is always a you're always selling yourself in some form or fashion i don't consider like i don't have formal sales and i don't consider it sales it's me and not to sound cliche but it's me having conversations with people and relationships and the the two pieces in my firm are one you're trying to my goal is to always become an approved supplier for companies okay so those are my clients the other side is you want to talk to consultants on why they want to come work for you so those are the two sides of sales for me but really it comes down to relationships and preserving those relationships and growing those relationships and having those non-threatening conversations and if there's opportunity to work together then let's work together and if there's not maybe something will come up in the future awesome so you pretty much since your biggest fear was getting clients how long was it before you got a client about three months oh it was yeah so during those three months, what was your thought process? Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> well, mine would have been uh, okay. <laughs> okay. How did you get your first client? What did that look like? My first client was Westar Energy, and they had an opportunity. We had a consultant, and I leveraged my network to get in there. Nice. Yeah. Cool. 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 Then you were, felt a little bit better. And then I felt better. <laughs> What's been your hardest lesson during all of this? My hardest lesson has been not to compare myself to other people. 
it um, it is so easy to compare yourself to other companies. And there's a quote that I always keep in the back of my head, and it's never compare your start to someone's middle. Oh, I like because I would look at other companies, what I would say are competitors, and, and think, oh, I need to do that, and I need to do that, and oh my God, now they're doing this, and, and they've been in business 10 years, yeah. and I was in year one, yeah, and or 15 years, right? And so I don't look at competitors anymore as competitors. I so one I don't compare myself to them. We all have a different journey. We all take different turns. We have different goals. And I try to keep in to account that this is my journey that I need to be focused on. And different Different, we'll get different places and land at the same spot, but we got there differently, right? Yeah. So, when, and when it comes to competitors, which is another lesson, was not to look at people as competitors, but as potential partnerships. So, oh, like either that. we have an opportunity to work together or we don't. That's yeah. it. There's enough work and opportunities for everyone out there. Yeah. So, that's my thought. Okay, so you're super positive, and it's awesome, and your story's awesome, but I know you can't be super awesome every single day. So now, Why where not? you're at in your journey, I mean, Why that'd not? be awesome if you, <laughs> you could, but I don't think that's reality for anyone. But I don't think people often talk to, when they often talk about when they get to your point, what some of the struggles still are. So on your days where you just don't want to see anybody, when you just want to stay in bed, what are those challenges that you're still facing that people usually don't talk to or about at this point? What are some of those that you're just like, oh, I'm still going through this? Um, I would say, so for the most part, I, I love what I do, so I don't have those mornings where I don't want to get out of bed. And if I don't want to get out of bed, it's strictly just because I'm tired. <laughs> um, because four kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, however, I will talk to getting through the discouraging moments. Mm-hmm. Um, two things. One, I feel like I embrace mistakes. I embrace failures. I embrace step backs. And so if I'm not having those moments, then that means I'm not growing. That's, yeah, that's and it's gotten kind of ridiculous where I'm looking for that next mistake. <laughs> and I got and, some you can borrow. And I'm <laughs> And I'm I'm serious. It's like if I am not making a mistake, I'm not learning. And so and I'm not purposely making mistakes. But I do. I really yeah. am looking at okay, this didn't work. What am I going to do differently next time? There was a point last year where I was going through um, a legality issue that was extremely hard for me. And the impact was much greater than, you know, working with attorneys. It was emotionally draining. It impacted my marriage. It um, impacted... um, 
my energy when it came to work. It, it, it consumed my mind where I had lost focus. And that was really, really hard. And through art therapy, I was able to um, lessen some of that anxiety and trust that God had already taken care of it. And so I don't need to worry about it. And so over time, I learned to let it go. It took 14, 13 months to resolve. Wow. And that was a long 13 months. Yeah. But uh, through meditation, through art therapy, and putting my faith and knowing that, that God already had resolved that for me was able to to get me through that process but it was hard wow it sucked (laughs) it just sucked yeah a little more interested in art therapy what is that that um so not more interested i was interested in that too but i'm interested like you really got me at art therapy i guess i should say so one day my son alex said um why don't you come home early and he's he's doing a two majors political science and poli sci and then a minor in art and he said why don't you come home early and draw with me and so I said okay so I go Did home you usually draw no okay and so I, I go home and he has this coffee table set up with like a drape and uh, items from around the house and he's like let's draw this and I was really good and I was like, well, holy shit balls! I didn't know I could draw. <laughs> yeah. And so I started drawing. And I found that I really like drawing Frida with oil pastels because of the colors and the vibrancy. And so I have a lot of those pictures. But painting, painting requires you to use your right side of your brain and your left side of your brain. Okay. And it's very, very therapeutic. And if you want to get really crazy, then you do finger painting. What? Yeah. That takes it to the next level. Yeah. So um, I still do that today. Oh, wow. Um, And it's extremely, extremely therapeutic. Okay, I'm going to come over and finger paint. I think. Let's do it. Yeah. Totally in. No. So usually I put on some music and the kids are gone and I paint. Nice. Yeah. Thank God for your son, huh? I know, okay. right? Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about what's happened recently. You just won a really big award. I did. Um, Women Who Mean Business. So kind of tell everybody what that is, what that award is, how you won that award, who, how many people you beat out for that award, and how that award will leverage you to the next, take you to the next level. So Women Who Means Business is something you have to be nominated for. Um, I had gotten notification that someone nominated me, and then I forgot about it. <laughs> and then well, I That get wasn't a, a mistake. You're I know. Trying to find so, and then uh, getting a Women Who Means Business, that was part of my five to ten year goal. How many like, years ago was this? No, like this year. I was like, This year when you made your five to ten year goal? No, this year I said... In five to ten years, yeah. I want to get the Women Who Means Business certificate award. And so I I was walking into a client meeting, and this 
woman, someone had called, I missed it, and I looked at the um, voice to text, the voicemail converted to text for me. And this woman said, I've been trying to get a hold of you. I'm from Commerce Bank. Please call me. And I thought, well, I don't have an account at Commerce Bank, so maybe I should call her. And I call her, and she's like, oh, my God, I've been trying to get in touch with you. You want women? She said, you made it to the next level of women who means business. And I was like, okay, that's great. And she said, and it's going to be in the business journal tomorrow, and you're the only one that doesn't know. And, <laughs> and I says, wait a minute, you mean I got the award? Because when she said you made it to the next step, I'm thinking there's two or three steps. Yeah. And she said, yes. And I was like, oh, my God, I got the award. So I was super excited. I um, would, did not expect to be selected. 25 Why women... Not? Because you're really confident. Why didn't you expect that you would be selected? Oh, that's an interesting... Uh, <laughs> Misconfidence. I want to understand this. Because I think that a lot of women that get it have been in business so much longer than me. Um, and it's hard to measure your impact. It's hard to measure your success, right? And so I just didn't expect it. I thought there's... There could be women that have been out there with businesses 10, 15, 20 years. Those are the women that will get it. How many people get nominated, do you know? A couple hundred a year. And they choose how many? 25. Wow. There are some, I know there's some people out there that have been trying every year for 10 years and they still haven't gotten it. Um, It is a huge recognition because it recognizes and it's um, an award given out by the Kansas City Business Journal. It recognizes the top women in Kansas City that are executives or CEOs of their companies and have made major contributions to the community. And it has changed the trajectory of people's companies that have received these awards, this award. So tonight is my first big event. And you try to reschedule. On yeah, I tried to reschedule. You. I won't let you. Um, we do. <laughs> we'll do pictures and cool. we'll meet our class. And then tonight, the past honorees, the alumni come and meet us. Yeah. And um, it's already been an amazing experience. I don't know how it will impact my business. Okay. But I'd like to think positive and that it will help me yeah. make some connections. And uh, I'm just going to roll with it and embrace it. It's pretty exciting. Congratulations. It is exciting. Yeah. So you took that off your goal list. Did you replace that with something else? Not yet. <laughs> you going to keep me updated? I'm working on it. What it is? Yeah, I don't know. I, um, you know, my next goals will probably be related to the second company I'm opening right now, but we'll talk about that at another time. <laughs> Okay, you can't just feel like you're really trying for a second appearance on the show. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Bring me back. It's <laughs> a good segue. We're going to talk about that the minute these microphones go up mm-hmm. actually. Okay, what, what else did I not ask you that you think if I was a woman who was thinking about starting my own business and I was just really ready to take that leap, what is the one piece of advice that you would give that woman? When my husband worked at Sprint, he had a manager, a director that used to say M-I-F-H. And he was even going to have T-shirts made of it, but then they thought it would probably be politically incorrect. <laughs> so my only advice is make it fucking happen. 
was like, where are we going? That's it. Yeah. Am I a fate, huh? Am I a fate? I'm going to get you a shirt. Can we hashtag it? <laughs> yeah, Am I a yes. Let's hashtag this podcast with that, okay? <laughs> I, I, don't, I think people underestimate themselves and to just go out there and do it. Yeah. Like literally we can accomplish anything we want. Literally. So I'm very lucky because, what, six months into my business, Joel Set actually walked into my office. One of my salespeople, we call them salespeople here, <laughs> had met Joel Set. Joel Set signed on as a client. Mm-hmm. I had been placed on the Hispanic Chamber Board but hadn't met anybody yet. <laughs> Joel Set walked in as 10 times louder than she is right now. <laughs> I'm still drinking my and coffee. <laughs> she hasn't moved on to her mimosa just yet. And said... We sit on the board together, da, 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 and instead of shaking my hand, like I do with everyone, she gave me a hug. And <laughs> I like to say it was one of the best things that happened to me because I was really struggling where you are now, the no degree, the single mom thing, mm-hmm. not where you are now, where you were. Right. And um, kind of that lack of confidence mm-hmm. because all of a sudden now I'm around all these super fancy women <laughs> that... Now that I've gotten to know them, I'll have their own backstories, right? Oh, but yeah. you don't know that in the first couple of times. No, you know. totally. We all are, have issues. <laughs> and you were just so real and so yourself. And like it almost validated to me that it was okay to be mm-hmm. myself. Because um, I'd had a little bit pushback like right at the beginning of my business because of that. And didn't understand if I'd ever really fit into the Kansas City woman business owner right. group. You know? Right, Um Don't think about it. Just do it. Yeah. Like, there's no reason to... You are a Kansas City woman business yeah. owner. That's it. So I was very lucky lucky to meet you when I did, and I think that that really helped me even take the leap to the next next level of believing I could grow this business. Aww, so thank, thank you. you very much. Well, that's great. When you get your Women Who Means Business Award, you can say, I'd like to thank Joel Set Hernandez-Jones. She is the best. I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going to. I was all about it. I... <laughs> I, I've already got it. I'm going to have Christian write me a wonderful <laughs> speech because I'll just ramble. <laughs> but All right. Well, that's it for this week's cocktail hour. Do you want to hear from your favorite local businesswoman? Do you know a woman in business who is shaking shit up? Send your recommendations to heygirl at cocktailhourpodcast.com. And until next time, I'm Erin Folk. Keep your class and your glass raised. See you at the next cocktail hour. Bye. Bye.